You can find the comic book characters on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash kneelbeforepod or follow us on Twitter at cbcharacters. You can also email us at cbcharacters at gmail.com. And now you can subscribe to us on iTunes. Search comic book characters. Hey everyone out there in the CBC universe, it is your friendly neighborhood podcaster, Alfred, and as always, I've got my gracious co-host, the one, the only, Chris, the creator, Cassidus! Hey, doggy dog! What's up, man? Oh, man. Hey, Freddy, man, I swear, man, it's the most, uh, oh, man. (laughs) No? Little Flamian? Is that what? Oh, dude! Yeah. Little reset. Oh my God! Okay. Wow. <laughs> I was waiting for you to finish that. That's so good. All right. What's up, man? How you doing, homie? For those who don't know, that's a deep cut on the uh, <laughs> Jim Rome radio show. Look up Flamian on the internet and uh, enjoy. Enjoy. Wow. I- <laughs> That's so good. It's like ten people are gonna get that. Like I know. It's so we're good. half of them. We're half of them. We're half of those ten. Um oh, by the way, on that note, before we even get started, because uh, 'cause I'll be remiss if I forget. Ignacio, I did talk to him Big Homie recently and he said he said you did a fantastic job as Ned Leeds in Homecoming. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. I mean, it was real hard. I had to split my time. Uh, but, uh, yeah, no, we were able to do it. He said able to he, get done. He said you brought, you brought the fire. The flavor. <laughs> um, <laughs> all right. <laughs> guy in the chair. Guy in the chair. I, you know, honestly, though, and this is not, this is not like a demeaning thing at all. I really mean it. I think you would make a great guy in the chair. <laughs> no. <laughs> For real, though, I, I, when I was watching it the first time, like, I saw him, like, on profile view. I'm like, is that me? I yeah. mean, yeah. Like it was, high school uh, you, but yeah, you know, like, yeah. I saw it. I saw the resemblance. You know, you got those young jeans. Um, I saw the resemblance, didn't see the paycheck. There you go. That's not how you want it. No. Not ideal. You want the other the other thing. All right, we've got a lot to cover. Obviously, this is going to be the homecoming episode, the long-awaited. We wanted to give everyone a little bit of time to have a chance to see the film. I'm sure most of our listeners have already seen it, probably saw it on the Thursday before the Friday and has seen it multiple times at this point. Um, we also have a few other tidbits that we're going to touch on real quick. Um, Agenda time. So we're going to speed through those. I mean, and I, that's a relative term, but we're going to you know go through them. And then the, the majority of the podcast is going to be about homecoming. We're going to go over our thoughts, some trivia tidbits. Uh, we have a new name segment for that as well, so that's going to be fun. Um, but <clears throat> before before we can celebrate uh, the film that is Spider-Man Homecoming, we do have some somber news. You know, and honestly, I feel like this is happening too often on our podcast. I feel, do you feel like this this kind of news? Oh yeah, seems to be more frequent lately. Like ever since kind of the back end of 2016. I hope it's not a podcast ca- causing it. Yeah, I mean, I, I doubt it. I don't think we're that important. But, um, you know, what I'm talking about, of course, is, is uh, Miss Joan Lee passed away. And uh, for those that don't know, that's Stanley's wife. Uh, 
she was she was 93. They'd been married for I believe over 70 years. So uh, you know just just what it's like to lose someone that has been so integral to your life, so important uh, as she was to Stan. Um, little trivia fact, the 90s Spider-Man animated cartoon series, there was a character by the name of Madam Web, who was also in the comic book. Uh, she was voiced by Joan Lee. Hmm. So, so if you want to see some of her razzle dazzle, check that, check that show out from the, the mid nineties. And she's, she's in there. She's in quite a few of the episodes, actually. She does a She does a bang up job. Um, somebody, I believe somebody had interviewed Stanley, and at one point, um, you know, he, they asked him how important has Joan been in your life, you know, in your creative life, and so on. And he said something to the effect of, "You know, without Joan, there wouldn't be a Marvel universe. There wouldn't have mm. been a Fantastic Four or the Incredible Hulk or the Avengers or Spider Man or, you know." And you have to think, um that she did whether indirectly or directly she must have influenced stan in a lot of ways in developing a lot of these characters um i i there's a uh there's a documentary on stan lee um that came out recently i believe it's called with great power um the stan lee story and she's interviewed in it there's there's quite a few bits in there and honestly i mean you don't know how much of this stuff is for the cameras but there's there's a few segments in there where they're just kind of together mm-hmm. you know throughout you know just having tea or whatever and it's it seems so genuine it really does it really uh, felt like that these two were really and as much as soulmates can can e- exist in this world i guess like that they had really found each other and so you know my de- our deepest c- condolences yeah. to the Lee family and then Stan, of course. Uh, any any thoughts on the passing of John Lee? Uh, um, let me see. Well, um, yeah, I was listening to, uh, I guess, Hollywood Babylon, the Kevin Smith podcast he does with Ralph Garman. They're talking about the same thing. But, it, like, one thing he mentioned was, like, um, like he was interviewing them. And it, it's just, yeah, you don't know where you're going to get your influences from. You don't know where you're going to get your impetus to kind of actually finally do something from. Um, it came from his wife. It, it, she kind of basically told him that you don't have to, you know, if you're going to maybe quit, maybe write one story for yourself before you do. And that, that was a fantastic four. So it's, it's amazing. You never know. You have to just be ready for your uh, important people around you to be able to influence you. And thankfully he was, thankfully we have the modern mythology that we have today. Um, it's really thanks to her. So yeah, I, I don't know. I guess the, my, my big takeaway from, uh, from her, from her life, is just to um, you know, try and be in, try and be an inspiration to others. If um, if, if if you can't, if you, if you don't uh, have the ability, or if you don't think you can try, encourage others to try to create stories, to create characters, to to do whatever, to just brighten the world a little bit. Right. To ma- to make an impact, to make a mark mm-hmm. on the world. Yeah. And again, our our, our from us here at Comic Book Characters, our our deepest. Most sincere condolences. Um, I can't imagine what that's like. Um, that's a long time. 70 years. With someone for so long. And, you know, Stan, Stan is not, you know, he, he's, he's been around for a while, too. And you, you got to wonder, 
when you've had that kind of love in your life for so long, once it unfortunately leaves, like, what does that do to you as a person? And I, I know that, you know, Stan has said many a time that the love of his fans and, and everything, they buoy him, they keep him up, they keep him in spirit, high spirits, but this has just got to be a, a real rough go for him. And uh, we wish him the best, of course. Um, yeah. All right, there's there's no there's no segue here. There's there's not any way to transition out of that. Uh, okay, or we could Wayne's World it. I mean, sure, that's not offensive at all. Um, Was it offensive? No, I don't. I, I can go offensive. No, 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 no. Wong does not need to speak on the matter. Maybe you need a more uh, mystical to segue. Uh, all right, so <laughs> so one thing that people complain about with Marvel. Um, which is of course owned by Disney, uh, is the fact that like a lot of the auteurs, the directors, the screenwriters, and so on, they're sort of boxed in in terms of the stories they're able to tell. Um, I feel like James Gunn has sort of broken that a little bit, and uh, we'll see uh, what what TD does with Thor because I feel like that one's that one's a really unique film as well. Hmm. But um, sort of permeated, it looks like, over to the Star Wars side of the Disney family. Uh, and we we are remiss because we we we, sh- we meant to talk about this last pod and we didn't for whatever reason. Oh, um, we didn't have enough time for a, a behind the camera segment. Right. So we're we're touching on it now. We know that this is kind of news that's out there, but we'll give our two cents. Um, so Phil Lord and Christopher Miller, uh, the directors, the, the the tandem directors for the Han Solo film have been fired. They're off the project. Now, when it first happened, there was talks like, did they leave the project? Was it mutual? You know, they were saying, well, it was mutual and all that hemming and hawing. <laughs> they were fired. They were flat out fired. Ooh. Um, not even friends on Facebook? Not even friends on Facebook. Not even unfriended, like blocked. Oh, like, no. Like, dude's done. Once you, once you hit that block button, man, there's, there's no coming <laughs> back. There's no coming back. Uh yeah, so they, they got removed from the project, and there was word uh, on the set that, like, that the tone of the film was completely wrong, that while Kathleen Kennedy really liked the script and Kasdan liked the script, that their their direction was to make it more slapsticky, and a lot hmm. of people were comparing it to Ace Ventura, which what? is crazy. Like, I don't know how accurate that is. And, look, I, I like the 21 Jump Street movies. I thought... I thought they did some really clever things in those films. Uh, Lego Movie is fantastic, but if they were pushing Han into the direction of Ace Ventura, man, like I, I don't know what to say to that other than you, you probably do have to take him off the project at that point. I don't know. What are your What are your oh. thoughts on that news? On Alrighty the then. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that's uh, that's kind of too far. I'm, yeah, this world is pretty much established. Almost not a. Uh, even by the store anymore, it's established by the fans. If you're gonna give the fans that kind of a hard left of a swerve, there, uh, yeah, that I can see why they made the change. Yeah. So, and the thing is, Ron Howard, Ron Howard of all people, has come in to to helm the film. Now, again, with Ron, you've got a real studio guy, right? Like, apparently. You call him a company man? I mean, calling him out. I mean, at least in this instance, I believe <laughs> What's that's up, the Apollo case. thirteen. Uh, because here's here's the rumor that I heard. Uh, Kasdan's son, I believe. 
uh-huh. is actually on set as a like producer, but because of the way like nepotism law works for the film industry, uh, since Kasdan's on as an executive producer, mm-hmm. he can't then name his son as director. But oh. essentially, Ron Howard is directing, but Kasdan's son, and I w- I'm sorry, I don't know his first name, but Kasdan's son is is essentially directing the film. But but wow. you know, through the guise of Rod Howard, so nepotism, anti nepotism laws work in Hollywood. Because I mean, the way the oh. world works, yeah. kind of you can oh. you know have your daughter sit in for you at an important <laughs> meeting, yeah. or have your kind of mute son in law run the country. Yeah, Take that's interesting. The guild have, have lawyer meetings and whatnot. Um, the power of the director's guild. So yeah, the DG up in the hizzy. Oh, that was terrible. I I wish I could walk that back. <laughs> it's I'm there, not gonna man. edit it out. I'm it's not gonna there. edit it out. It's there. I'm gonna leave it in. Um, rugged and uncut. <laughs> but that being said, Ron Howard knows how to make a film. You know he he's done. You know he's done a lot of films. Uh, he knows how to be in a film. He knows, how to... knows how to be in a film. He knows how to be in a '70s sitcom. That's set in the fifties. He definitely knows how to do that. <laughs> He's real good at that. Uh, I I don't know, man, but this this sounds pretty troubling for Star Wars. Uh, for these like offshoot films, seems like a lot of trouble. Uh, yeah. Not Rogue not, One was so good. I, I, I it almost sounds like you're being sarcastic, but I liked Rogue One. I, I, no, I'm I'm oh. definitely being genuine there. Uh, Rogue One was so good that bar is set pretty high. Yeah. Uh, and again, it's not like films can't get past these controversies and these behind-the-scenes issues. It happens all the time. We're just everyone is hypersensitive because it's Star Wars or because mm-hmm. it's a comic book property. The fans just go nuts and they, you know, overanalyze everything. Um, but this kind of stuff happens all the time with almost every film, honestly. Um, so we'll see. That being said. Han Solo is not the only film to be afflicted with this disease, so to speak. Oh, no. <laughs> or is, is it the I kind say, of. Yeah? Afflicted. Oh, God. Afflicted. Oh. Uh, <laughs> I was going to ask, if, is there a treatment for that? But I think I need antibiotics now that you said that. Yeah, you're welcome. You're welcome. Brush it off, man. You got to T Swift it. <sighs> um, <laughs> so here's the thing here's the news. Here's the news. The Ben Affleck pen script for The Batman, mm-hmm. gone. It's done. It's out what? of here. You're out of here. Take your shoe box, <laughs> shine box, and get out of here. How do you like them apples? How do you like them apples? So here, so this is coming from Matt Reeves, the new director for The Batman. Matty Ice. They're gonna start. They're gonna start with a page one rewrite, which again, yeah, that's a thing that happens sometimes. That's usually not a good sign. Um, here's my bigger concern. You bring on Ben Affleck. Mm. You you get him. You 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 give him the the concession because he's always talked about how much he loves Batman and Bruce Wayne. He's always wanted to play Batman. That's always yep. been a dream of his. This is literally from interviews back like twenty years ago. So you give him that concession. Not that he's a bad actor or anything, but you give him that concession. You say, okay, you you can be Bruce Wayne. You can be Batman, but you. He's he's a damn good director. He's a really good director and at least a above average screenwriter to this point. <laughs> so he's one of awards for both. So y- you bring him in, you make him Batman as a concession, but 
with the hopes that he's going to actually direct one of your superhero films. And if it's the Batman or something else, whatever, but you want him in as director and possibly screenwriter. And guess what? You're Warner Brothers. You luck out. You luck out. And after the calamity that was Suicide Squad and, you know, Man of Steel was eh, a little iffy, you, you get him to do both. He agrees to do both, to write and direct and star in the Batman. And now, at this point, you're left with just Ben Affleck, the actor, in hmm. Batman. You've lost the director's chair. You've lost the script. Wow. Like, I don't... I don't know. That's like... What is that even like? That's like... Um, hmm. you know, that, that's like... That's well, like, you should go to basketball analogies. I feel I'm, one coming I'm up. Trying. Mm, yeah. That's like... That's like, that's like getting... the Spurs not doing any moves in free agency. <laughs> okay, that's true. No, here, here's, here's one I think everyone will get. That's like signing Shaq to your team uh-huh. in the Big early, early 2000s guy. in his prime. But you're like, you know what, Shaq? We don't want you to get rebounds. We don't want you to dunk the ball. We just want you to shoot free throws. Oh, what? And he's like, yo, coach, I can shoot more free throws. You sure want me to shoot free throws? Uh, Shaquille? Is he here? Yeah, Shaquille Deal. Joining combo character. He's got the, the Superman tattoo. He's he's about this life. Yeah. But that's like asking him to just shoot free throws for your team. Yeah, technically he can do it. You probably don't want him to, <laughs> and it's not going to turn out well. <laughs> that's kind of where I feel like we might be with, with Batman, with Ben Affleck. Uh, Man. Again, not trying to hate on his acting ability, but we all saw Daredevil, right? Some team is some other studio is just going to come in and start fouling Ben Affleck, making him go to the line. <laughs> then all the next thing you know, the Spurs are in the championship game. It's. I mean, I like where this analogy is going. <laughs> I don't know if anyone else cares. But... <laughs> uh, so yeah, what what are your thoughts on this, man? Like, do you think this is the right direction? Do you think the movie's in trouble? Do you, does it not matter? Like, no, I think it matters. Um, this is again. This feels like a soup decision, right? And what you ideally like to have, uh, kind of how the Daredevil movie wanted to do it. No, no, I'm sorry, the Daredevil. Jesus, the Deadpool movie wanted to do it. They just wanted the funding, and we're gonna make you a great movie. Just you know, don't fuck around with it too much. Um, that's rare in Hollywood. <laughs> Case in point, the Batman movie. Uh, it feels like the suits are kind of getting antsy, and they they want to shore up as much as they can uh, this script and this movie, this property. My God, this is one of the biggest film franchises there is. So <laughs> it's it's their most popular character. Yeah. Here's the thing. Here's the thing. Like, and you're right. I think it is totally a suit move by Warner Brothers. They don't have a good track record. It's Mm-mm. not like it's <laughs> it's not like they're the Spurs of the of the <laughs> filmmaking industry, right? They're are, not. Are, are you equating Marvel to the Spurs? <laughs> I guess so. Um. They don't have a good track record. They even they even fouled up the Wonder Woman thing where they were unsure of Patty Jenkinson's film. Oh, yeah. So they didn't sign her to a multi-picture deal, which is pretty standard for these franchise films. They didn't do it. So guess what? Now they had to re-sign her uh, for the second film at like twice the, the salary. Good job, yeah. Warner Brothers. You really, you really have a lot of vision there. You really know what you're doing. Um... <laughs> Speaking of, speaking of, 
Is Phil Jackson running Warner Brothers? Yeah, there you go. I love this. This is my favorite thing of all time. We're somehow <laughs> really, really bringing in the NBA talk, which uh, I'm sure we're alating a ton of our listeners. Sorry, everyone. Uh, we'll stop. Uh, but no, we won't. No, we won't. But the Phil Jackson <laughs> thing is apropos. That's totally true. Yeah. Um, a bunch of old out-of-touch white dudes probably over at Warner Brothers. That's what I'm saying. You know? That's what usually happens. They got a sweet mustache, though. Um <laughs> All right, speaking of Warner Brothers and Wonder Woman, actually. Uh, so with the news of Joss Whedon taking over for Justice League, over for uh, Zack Snyder, um, we also have gotten wi- uh, wind of, we hear the rumblings of, that part of the reshoots uh, focal point is going to be to to beef up, to amp up to 11, mm. the Wonder Woman segments within the film. Okay, I'm. I'm. I think this is a great idea. Yep. It's very reactionary, Warner Brothers. Like you should have <laughs> just had faith in it to begin with, and she should have had it a, a decent chunk of the film anyway. Uh, but sure, okay, yeah, you have this really big hit on your hands now, and you want to probably overexpose her. Sure. Um, but no, I think it's a. I think it's a great idea. I think Joss Whedon can, could do a lot of great things here, especially with the Wonder Woman character. Mm-hmm. Uh, thoughts, thoughts on Wonder, more Wonder Woman in Justice League? No, that, that's definitely the right move to do. Um, it, it's just weird to me how, like, you know, seeing from the trailers and from what I know of Batman vs Superman, like the the group just come together kind of inorganically. They're they're really being scouted and sought out by Bruce. So it's almost as if he's the head talent scout for the San Antonio Spurs. <laughs> They have a second round pick and they're looking overseas. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and uh I guess I guess we'll go with Rasha Nasterovich. Is that the best thing? Yeah. Um but then Josh comes in and is like, what about Fabricio? Uh so <laughs> No, no, I think it's great. Um Joss has always been in the been talked about for a Wonder Woman property and now he kinda gets to do it. Right. Yeah, we and we talked about that in a previous spot about how he's been linked to it. Um, so yeah, I think that's cool. I I know I don't know, man. Like as much as I love Wonder Woman, and I and uh, I think that's a really good step in the right direction. There's so many more pitfalls for them to avoid. Yeah. To really get this thing going, because you know the thing is, they've only had one really enjoyable film to this point, arguably. Yeah. And out of four, one out of four. That's not a good. That's a terrible shooting percentage. <laughs> At the free throw line, at the three point line, or at just a regular two point. Forget it. Forget about on base. We're just trying to get a hit. Okay. Oh, we moved to baseball now. Okay. Now we've definitely worn out the analogy if we somehow <laughs> moved on to baseball. Um, all right. So that, that's it. That's all we have for the tidbits. Uh, catching up for the week. Uh, last Behind few the camera. <clears throat> now it's time for what everybody came here for, I think. Uh-oh. And that is, of course. The talk, uh, the talk, what the review of Spider-Man Homecoming. Here it is, folks. This is this is going to be our take. Uh, spoiler alert. We're going to spoil everything. Uh, we're not going to hold anything back. We're going to talk. Spider-Man about is Peter points. Parker. Spider-Man is Peter Parker. Watch out. Um, so if you haven't watched the movie for whatever reason and you don't want it spoiled for you. Go watch it. If you're waiting to hear what our opinion is, our, our opinion our opinion is on the film 
And so that's what you were waiting for to determine whether or not you were going to see the movie. Well, why, thank you. Thank you, kind listener, huh. for, caring, for caring that much about what we think. True believers. But I'll just tell you right now, go see it. It's good. It's really, it's damn good. It's very enjoyable. Chris? Oh, yeah. yeah. Uh, 100% there. There you go. It's good. It's great. Go see it. Go see it right now and then come back. The movie is fun. <laughs> yes. The paraphrase, Reggie, from <laughs> Nintendo's E3. <laughs> Man, we're we're just going all over the place on this one. All in, like, man. Let's let's see if we get some some pocket anime, aces, anime, some okay, some. Oh, you know World, what's coming? You know World <laughs> Series Poker Tour. Some I'm going Phil on Helmuth. the ground on this one. We need some Phil Hellmuth in here. Oh, this is this is terrible. Uh, <laughs> all right, Spider-Man: Homecoming. Coming into this, people were were saying the buzz was: Are we finally going to get? the best version of Spider-Man, the real comic book infused version of Spider-Man and Peter Parker. And coming to, home to Marvel to that, to the, yeah. For those that don't remember this podcast, episode one, it's in the archives. The first episode was when the news broke that Spidey was going to be joining the MCU. So this is a landmark episode touching back to the first one. Uh, they did it. It is, to me, the best iteration of a cinematic Peter Parker and Spider-Man. Uh, a lot of people would argue that Toby was a great Peter and a not-so-great Spidey. Andrew Garfield was a good Spidey, but maybe not so, such a great Peter. Mm. I think here, you don't have to make any qualms about it. There's no, There's no... I think I just said this earlier, but there's no hemming and hawing. I don't know why I'm using that phrase multiple times, but there, there's no hemming and hawing between the two. Like, you get a fully formed character on both sides. But beyond that, beyond that, all of the supporting characters do a great job. Oh, yeah. Like, the actors do a great job. The way the characters function within the story, fantastic. And we're going we're gonna to deep dive into it, but before we do that... We have a newly named segment. It's something we've been doing for a while, but we have a name for it now. And that's the flashback. Whoosh, whoosh. Doom, doom. Barry Allen, Wally West, uh, Zoom, whoever else. The flashback is what we're going to call the segment when we recap briefly what transpired in the film. Just to bring everyone up to speed before we, we, we deep dive into kind of behind the scenes trivia and our thoughts. So. Yep. This flashback is flashback versus Spider-Man Homecoming. And Chris, why don't you, if you would please, take us into this one. Uh, we open coldly with Victor Toomes and his crew kind of uh, taking this. A wait, this sorry, Adrian. Adrian Toomes. Adrian Toomes. We kind of open coldly with Adrian Toomes taking the salvaging kind of the Chitari stuff left over from the Battle of New York. Uh, the Avengers left a big mess and somebody's got to clean it up. Unfortunately, they're stopped right in the middle of the working day by Damage Control, a new organization from the government and Tony Stark. Um, then we cut to Civil War from Spider-Man's point of view, which is really, really nice. Spider-Man was taking little home movies of himself on his phone, uh, kind of narrating his trip to Berlin. Um, that catches us up to what's happening now. And right now, uh, Tony Stark's like leaving Spider-Man back off in Queens. He's leaving him in the suit as well. Spidey, uh, we catch up to his uh, high school life. We see what he, uh, how he interacts with his classmates, uh, which is really nice. I mean, he definitely fits the, fits the bill of a high school student. We definitely believe it. He's not 40 years old, Tobey Maguire. 
Um, Andrew Garfield. Andrew Garfield. <laughs> and he can't wait to get out of school because once he gets out of school, his first call, is, his first contact is to Happy, and he's saying like, "Hey, I get out of school at this time. Um, I'll check in with you after I make my rounds." Uh, he likes school, but he likes being Spider-Man more. Uh, he's swinging around Queens, kind of stopping bike thieves, uh, trying to trying to right wrongs where there might not be wrongs, trying to help out people, trying his best right. to be Spider-Man. Um, a friendly that, neighborhood Spider-Man, if you will. Friendly neighborhood Spider-Man. Um, he's checking in with Happy um, after eating a sandwich he bought at a bodega. Um, then later in the day, he kind of sees an ATM being robbed, uh, like a bank ATM uh, being robbed. And so finally something interesting happens. So he goes down there. Um, the people he's trying to stop are wearing Avengers masks. So it's finally nice. He gets to meet Thor and Hulk. But uh, they are robbing <laughs> a bank. So he stops that. They're robbing a bank with really interesting weapons, like an anti-gravity type of thing and a laser cutter. Um, these aren't normal things. Um, turns out that these weapons are created by uh, alien technology. Um, he tries to tell Happy this. Happy's really busy trying to box everything up from the Stark or, or Avengers Tower and move it all up upstate. So he can't really deal with that right now. It's just an ATM theft to him. Um, after Peter comes back home, he kind of... Uh, Forgets they told Ned, his friend from school, that, you know, yeah, come over after school today. We can build a Lego Death Star together. Uh, Ned finds out that Peter is Spider-Man. Um, not doing a good job already of keeping a secret. Uh, identity yeah. a secret. But you know what? Just let me interject real, real quick. Yeah, yeah. If you don't mind. Uh, very true to probably how a real teenager would act. They, they wouldn't maybe be that great at... <laughs> handling such a heavy responsibility. Like they 100%. Would, you know, everyone messes up, especially at that age. Yeah. Um, so after that, of course, Ned kind of is prodding Peter. Like, this is the best thing that's ever happened to Ned. He's his friend, <laughs> His friend's being Spider-Man. Uh, he already tells us he's probably not going to be able to keep this secret for long. <laughs> uh, true to form, the next day uh, in gym class, when, every, when he's still, you know, drilling Peter for information, drilling him hard, um, he... Uh, he kind of lets it slip that Peter knows Spider-Man just to try and impress Liz, a senior who's their kind of academic decathlon captain. Flash kind of overhears this, kind of gives Penis Parker a little bit of a little bit of the business, kind of inv also invites him to Liz's party. But Liz is a really hot girl, a senior who's having a party in, in their uh, at her home tonight in the suburbs. So they kind of get shoehorned into going to this party. Spider-Man might show up, and Peter already he's having he's really anxious. He doesn't want to do it. He you know, he's a, he's a superhero. He's an act almost he's like he's halfway to an Avenger. So it's not really a party trick for him. Luckily, he's bailed out by some crazy explosions going on under a bridge somewhere in the near distance. Some of the vultures, son of Toon, son of, some of Tombs is goons. That's hard to say. Uh, are trying Tombs to, goons. Tombs goons are moving some product. They're trying to sell these uh, sell these guns, sell these alien tech in, in, uh, influenced guns to uh, Donald Glover's character. And he's like, I just wanted a gun, man. I don't want to blow the, the world. Spidey kind of stops this from happening. He, he knows that those things were the same things he stopped the other day before at the ATM. So he tries to figure out where these guys are going. Um, he chases that van all throughout the suburbs. And the van calls up to Tombs and says, hey, you got to help us out. Spider-Man and the Vulture kind of have a little battle, I guess. Not really. The Vulture just picks him up. Yeah. Takes him up about 2,000 feet and then drops him into a lake. Luckily enough... Iron Man knows where Spider-Man is. 
So he kind of dives right into the lake to save Spidey. They have a brief conversation. Turns out Tony's not really there. He's uh, in a party somewhere else on the other side of the world. He was just, he knows where he is at all times. He's just trying to help him out. So, it turns out, yeah, yeah we, go, we come back to Tombs. The guys are kind of been screwing up. His goon, Tombs' his goons have been screwing up. Uh, he kind of vaporizes one to kind of set the record straight of, you know, you guys need to lay low. we got to move these things, but we don't want to attract the attention of the police, let alone the Avengers. So they have to re- recover what they lost by the, uh, lost as well. Uh, Peter, on his way back to the party, on his way back to where he was before, he finds one of the guns. It turns out that the little cores they're using are Chitauri cores. Um, they're kind of gemstone-like things. They glow, they glow with power. They're pretty explosive, too. Um, they're easily track, uh, trackable by kind of Geiger counter readings, which the, the tombs as goons are doing the next day in the high school. That Peter and Ned need to spend a lot more time figuring out what this is and figuring out exactly what they need to do. Um, they know that there's a vulture guy. They know that there's they're up to no good. They're moving guns. Uh, they probably need to be stopped. Uh, they try to. He, Peter tries to relate this to Happy. Happy again doesn't want to hear it. He's too busy. Uh, when the tombs as goons do come to the high school, Peter's able to get a tracker on them. And he tracks them all the way back to Maryland. It's pretty far away as a way to go, but luckily the academic decathlon team is going to Washington, D.C. the next week. So he decides to meet up with the, the Tombs' goons there. Ned and Peter actually try to take out the tracking device in the Spider-Man suit. Right, because to keep, to keep Tony from tracking where he's, where he's going and stuff. Yeah, he's, he's about to do some stuff that he's not supposed to. Uh, he was told pretty much stay on the ground level. Don't really leave this to the higher-ups. Against that, against better judgment, he takes off the tracking device, and he's able to kind of go off on his own. He also kind of unlocks the the rest of the suit's power. Gets rid of the training wheels protocol. <laughs> yeah. Happily <named. laughs> And it almost immediately wants to go into kill mode, which is kind of awesome. <laughs> but the, the suit has his own AI. He kind of names it Karen after a while. But um, he is there. He, he trying to. He, he does stop the vulture from like uh, robbing another shipment of damage controlled, like recovered Chitauri stuff. Uh, but he ends up. He thwarts it. He stops it from happening. But he ends up in damage control itself in the, this huge facility that is time locked and time sensitive. Um, he can't open the doors himself. He has to spend the night in there while his friends are preparing for the academic decathlon. Um, in there, he kind of talks to his suit. He gets to know a little bit more about what. What he uh, can do with it, he gets some advice on his love life and how to <laughs> maybe approach Liz. This suit tells him that those cores are explosive. And if exposed to radiation, like an X-ray uh, machine, they will blow up. He, his, friend still, his friend Ned still has that core, so he has to get out and get back to D.C. to tell to stop this from happening. He, he makes it back to D.C. Um, and his friends, meanwhile, <laughs> his friends win the National Academic Decathlon. And they're in the Washington Monument going up. Of course, the stone's gone through, gone with them. Stone's gone up the, the elevator with them and explodes at the top. Right now, Peter as Spider-Man kind of arrives on the scene while his friends are dangling Super inside the Washington Monument. Totally in peril. He gets to scale it. He gets to be real nervous as he does. The police show up. <laughs> it's really weird for a Spider-Man to be scaling a monument in D.C. So um, he, of course, attracts everybody's attention, even Tombs for a little bit. But he's able to he's able to get in. He's able to finally, with the help of Karen, to kind of figure out a way in and save his friends and save Liz, lastly of all. And they make it. They make it back. Uh, they they come back to New York. Peter uh, tries to talk to Liz. He's uh, sorry that he missed the decathlon championship, and uh, he ends up asking her out. 
to, to homecoming, which is real ballsy for a 15-year-old kid to ask, you know, one of the most popular girls. He's a senior. Yep. And she agrees. She's totally down. She actually likes him. <laughs> that That's probably the most – in a movie where there's somebody who can climb walls and shoot webs and – you know, has a net like a suit with an AI built in it. That's probably the most unbelievable thing. <laughs> the the nerd this, gets the girl. This really cool, attractive senior is like, sure, I'll go to homecoming with you, freshman nerd. And um, <laughs> before that, Peter's dead set on trying to figure out uh, what's what's the next move for these uh, for these tombs goons guys. Mm-hmm. Um, he meets back with Donald Glover. He kind of goes into interrogation mode, oh, trying to figure out. What happens next? And what happens next is Don Glover actually knows where they're going to be. He doesn't know where they are, but he knows that a deal's going down on the Staten Island Ferry. Um, that's where P- uh, Peter kind of uh, ends up uh, the next day. He um, There's a big deal going down. It's kind of a cleverly cleverly uh, disguised deal where, you know, there's some product in the truck and some guys are going to give the keys off to some other guys, except Spider-Man's there, and he kind of uh, yanks the keys for himself. Um, Tony Stark was also calling him. He wanted to congratulate him. He saw the stuff that happened in DC, but Peter cuts it short. It turns out Don Glover was right. Tombs goons were there. There were, but also the FBI was there. Uh, it was a big sting operation going on. Peter kind of screwed it up. The Vulture's there too, and he seizes this opportunity to try and take out Spider-Man. He fails. Spider-Man thwarts him again. It's actually pretty cool. But in doing so, he manages to tie down one of the Chitauri guns, and ends up actually having the Staten Island Ferry yeah. making it start sinking. Uh, Spider-Man does kind of flip around as quick as he can, try and get the structurally sound parts of the boat back together. Um, it works for a second, and then it doesn't. Uh, it starts splitting apart again. It works until it doesn't, right? <laughs> it works until it doesn't. Uh, you get like a, a second of congratulations from one of the members on the boat. But <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's a good one. <laughs> afterwards, Iron Man kind of comes in to save the day with a bunch of his little, uh, you know, thruster drones, kind of helping piece back the, the ship together. In which, at which point, Iron Man's thanked for saving the day. At this, Iron Man's really mad. At, or Tony Stark's really mad at Peter Parker. Um, this is something that had a lot of lives on the line. Uh, to- uh, Peter put all these people in peril. So. Right now, Tony needs the suit back. He can't be Spider-Man anymore with that suit. Right. Um, maybe he can't be it at all if he, if he only had the suit to begin with. That's what that's the kind of position he puts Peter in. It, we told you to stay on the ground. You didn't listen. You need the suit back. You're nothing. Um, if, if you're nothing with the suit, then maybe you shouldn't have it. This puts Peter back in like the just mainly high school frame of mind. He kind of lost his Stark internship, as he tells May. And yeah, this brings us back to where you brought us to. Sorry, yeah. No worries. I love how I missed one of the biggest action sequences <laughs> in the film. Like it didn't happen. Um, right. Okay. So, the, yeah. So, then the the big night of the homecoming uh, dance yeah. uh, comes in, and Peter is all dressed up and ready to go. And at he May, arri- uh, yeah, May's he, dropping him off at the at Liz's parents' house. Yep. Giving him, giving him a few pointers. Uh, he gets there. He's ready to go. He's all smiles. This is... I mean, his Spidey life might be shit, but his Peter life is looking pretty good right now. And he he knocks on the door, rings the doorbell, and who opens the door? But, but Adrian, Adrian Toomes. Toomes. Yeah, this is a masterful turn. Uh, the Vulture opens the door. <laughs> In every 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 screen I've been to, uh, people have gasped at this point. I'm pretty sure uh, you, you're his audience have reacted to. 
yeah, this is a this is crazy. Uh, is the vulture there to kill Peter? Is he there? To, oh my God! Does he have Liz? No, he's Liz's dad. So this begins the most awkward apparent interactions, where not only is he taking his daughter to the homecoming dance, uh, he also knows that he's a supervillain. The car ride over uh, is amazing. It's so tense. Peter's trying to trying to play it as cool as he can, which is not very. And Liz is letting some information slip that maybe kind of tips her dad off to, wait a minute, I've heard your voice before, Peter. Can't place it for real. But he's met him before. And at the very end, he kind, of, he kind of realizes that Peter might be Spider-Man. Peter was in DC? All right. Peter's never there when Spider-Man's there? Okay. So after he, after he lets Liz out to go to the dance, he kind of has a one-on-one with Peter. Uh, which he lays down, he's, he, he lays it like this. He says, you saved my daughter's life. I have to thank you for that. But now I'm saving your life. Stop messing with my work. Stop interfering. Stop spoiling my plans. Or I'll kill you and everybody you love. Um, he does this at the point of a gun as well. He kind of pulls a gun on Peter uh, while dropping him off at the, at the dance. It makes him say thank you, a gangster move, and then lets Peter go. Peter kind of bewilderedly walks into the dance Tells Liz he's sorry, and then leaves immediately because he knows he knows he has to stop. Uh, he has to stop the vulture right now. Uh, he's no longer Peter anymore. He has to become Spider-Man. So he, he goes. He kind of uh, gets Ned to be the guy in the chair, uh, the guy kind of coordinating with computer effort the Spider uh, the Spider-Man's moves. He gets his old uniform back up, the, the hoodie kind of uniform that we saw briefly in some glimpse of in Civil War in the YouTube footage, and. He leaves when he's immediately confronted by the Shocker, kind of like a, just one of Toombs' goons wearing like a gauntlet that lets him really punch really, really hard. He, it's a mid-boss fight. We all know this. He deals with him really quickly. Ned helps out. Ned shows up there with a the web shooter, and Peter was able to get out of there in time. He's able, able to track down uh, Toombs' location. Uh, steals Flash's car, which is kind of cool. Pins down Toombs' location. They have a brief little conversation. Peter doesn't get it. He's young. He doesn't know how the world works. The guys at the top, they don't really care about the guys at the bottom. All that's just really to stall to get the suit up and flying to get Toombs out of there. Toombs is going to actually rob Tony's plane. They're moving. It's moving day. Happy was trying to move all the stuff out of Avengers Towers upstate. Right. And that's where Toombs is going to hit next. All, that, the last score. All, that, all that sweet gear yeah. that was in the Avengers Tower. Prototype Captain America shields, a bunch of arc reactor cores. Uh, yeah, this could set you up for more than for a couple of lives. Um Peter, he has to scramble. He has to. The, the buildings collapse on him. Uh, that's where, how. That's how Toombs leaves him. He leaves him for dead. He thinks that the building collapsing on Spider-Man is enough to keep him down there. Spider-Man, through a superhuman effort, truly superhuman, lifts all this concrete and rubble off of him, and gets up the courage and gets muscles up to the will to go to go stop uh, Vulture one more time. He has to get up to this uh, the Stark airplane. And the Stark airplane is just taking off from Stark Tower. The fight happens up there. Victor uh, Adrian Toomes has found a way to get inside, and Spider-Man kind of help helps thwart that. The, the plane's kind of falling. Or he makes <laughs> the plane starts descending once, like the the fight happens. The, one of the engines gets webbed up because Spider-Man doesn't want to get killed. He webs it up. They fight on the outside, not really on the inside, and he's trying to pull one of the flaps up to make it stop crashing, to at least turn it away from the city. And they actually end up on a beach. I think Coney Island Beach. Yeah, I think that's where it's supposed to be. Looks like, looks like it. Yeah. Uh, once again, Spider-Man, 
for the thir- for the third time now has thwarted the vulture uh, in an amazing moment. Um, the Spidey kind of takes off his mask. He's kind of the explosions have kind of deafened him temporarily, and the vulture kind of comes back at him one more time. Um, he tries to fight Spider-Man down and punch him, you know, so he can finally leave. With like he, he doesn't want to leave empty-handed. The vulture. It's, this is a lot of effort for him. Uh, so he sees the arc reactor box. He kind of or chest and kind of takes it. But his suit is malfunctioning. His suit blows up. Spider-Man actually ends up saving Tombs and leaves him webbed up for the authorities, um, which find him soon enough. Uh, then we get our denouement. Then we get our denouement. We get the fallen action of uh, Sp- uh, Iron Man happy, of course, thanking Spider-Man for keeping him in a job. Um, in right, a bathroom. It really saved his butt there. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> all in a high school bathroom. Then, uh, you know, the boss wants to talk to them, so they go upstate real quick. Tony Stark's there. He congratulates Peter for doing the impossible, for being Spider-Man without the suit, and offers him a spot in the Avengers, offers him board and lodging at the at the new Avengers complex, and, you know, press conference to kind of introduce him to the world. And a new suit. A new suit. Uh, Peter says, thanks, but no thanks. He's telling Tony Stark no. Uh, he has to, he's a high school kid. He's got that to look forward to. So he's going to be Queens' Spider-Man, maybe not the Avengers' Spider-Man. This is news to Pepper Potts. Pepper Potts is ready to introduce him to the world. Maybe they're going to announce an engagement instead. Um, and that brings us to a close. Oh, maybe except, except for the button. Like the, the button. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Peter is pretty bad. <laughs> he feels really secure and safe in his house. And maybe, you know, maybe should have kept the... Uh, the mask on a little bit longer, or maybe he shouldn't have been in the suit to begin with in his room. But his door is open. He saved the day. He has a suit back again. He's Spider-Man. And Aunt May has seen him <laughs> yeah. taking off the mask. And with the what the fuck, she kind of finishes the movie. Yeah, and it literally goes to credits on the on the F. And it's one of the best last lines of dialogue I've seen in a movie. Definitely. Like, just like in any movie, honestly. Well, thank you, Chris. Uh, you know who won Flasher, Spider-Man Homecoming flashback versus who's to say, but now you know what the story really is. If you haven't seen the movie, uh, well, there you go. There's the movie. (laughs) You're welcome. (laughs) Go see it. Go watch it. It's all the, you know, all the flashy movie parts. Uh, so much charm. It's, it's really great times. Um, all right. We're going to jump in now, uh, with, with our thoughts on the film. So, uh, I think I've already kind of said a little bit at length that the movie's really great. It definitely takes a lot of cues from John Hughes. That's not by mistake. Um, John Watts had all of the actors involved, all the primary cast, watch literally all of the John Hughes films <laughs> before shooting anything to kind of get them in the right mindset. It has a fantastically wonderful, uh, authentic high school feel to it mm-hmm. it's not just the high school setting is not just in the background it's in the foreground it is it is so much of a character in this film and you really get the sense that peter um even if he wasn't spider-man would would have a lot of trouble just navigating through the day-to-day as most all of us did when we were in high school as well uh, really loved that. Was there any particular um, 
choice that they made with this movie that you really enjoyed that kind of set it apart from the other iterations of Spider-Man cinematically? Huh. No, yeah. Um, I, I think that giving like little comedic beats to uh, the supporting cast, like the people who play the faculty at the high school, uh, it, they each had a little, like a little comedic beat. I thought that was amazing. Uh, that shows that um, you know a writer who cared about this movie, who cared about this property, who cared about writing well, uh, took a stab at this and pulled it off. Yeah, like I'll put it this way. Uh, I was discussing this with some friends over the weekend, and for instance, the Hannibal Burris's coach. To me, there is more in that performance and in the writing of that character mm-hmm. than there is in Lois Lane in the DC Cinematic Universe. <laughs> Easily. Which, <laughs> wow. Like, I'm is, not is, even joking. That's as, for real. We're not coming at Amy Adams. We're coming at the writer who yeah. Amy Adams has to say their lines. This is Lois Lane. Lois Lane. Like, Maybe if the second most popular female character in the DC universe, possibly, yeah, behind Wonder Woman, maybe Harley Quinn, maybe behind those two. And I couldn't tell you top top from bottom with her and that character. <laughs> Whereas uh, the coach in in uh, in Spider Man Homecoming, just the coach. I know he has a name, but just even as the coach, like there's there's some pop there. There's he has a few memorable scenes. I can't remember anything Lois Lane does in the DC universe. Um, you're right though. Like the Martin star gets some good mm-hmm. bits as the act act teacher. Uh, you've got, uh, even the principal has a few moments. Uh, there's just, is that, is that one teacher from uh, I don't know her name, but she's from orange is the new black. Uh, right. and she kind of finds Ned being the guy in the chair, helping speed her, Peter out. And you're like, what are you doing here? It's a great moment. Don't, don't. I mean, well, I guess you could spoil it, but it's it's it is such a great moment. Yeah. Um. <clears throat> okay. So another another thing that I really liked that this film did that I feel like the previous two iterations did not do is that they really show that Peter doesn't know what he's doing. He he means well. He has a heart of gold, and he mm-hmm. wants so badly to make the world a better place, but. It, he constantly messes up and or makes the wrong choice. Like even you alluded to it earlier when he tries to stop a guy from breaking into a car and that dude's just literally trying to get into his own car um, (laughs) because like the door handle doesn't work or whatever. And it's just a lot of that though. A lot of that, uh, which is to me, the one thing we've never really seen with Spider-Man. He was almost, too confident too soon in the other films right uh here you really get the sense that he's a kid and yes he has great power and he even knows that he has great responsibility but he doesn't necessarily have the faculties to put it all together yet he doesn't have the experience and why would you why would any of us he's not tony stark who's been at this for a decade he's not steve rogers who was a trained military person you know like so or military soldier um <laughs> military person military i think that's what person. mp stands for yeah <laughs> <laughs> hey, tony kind of mentions it he says that hey kid if cap wanted to put you down he could have yeah even at, even at the, even at when he was his most competent even uh competent and confident when at, in civil war even that was still that was the trial period <laughs> where you're here as an X factor, man. Like he still has a long way to go. Um, yeah. I really love that though. I really love that about this movie. 
Um, I, I think that almost more than anything else is what really makes the film for me. Is that they show that that Peter as Spider Man, he's still learning the ropes. Yeah. He's got a long way to go, and and that's good. That's good for us as an audience because that means we have a lot more adventures to go on with him as he gets, as he gets better. Um, there are a ton of like little Easter eggs in the film. We get Donald Glover as Aaron. Uh, I think it's Summers or Saunders. Uh, so in the Ultimate Universe, that's Miles Morales' uncle, and he mm. even references that he has a nephew. That got a nephew uh, live here. A nephew live here doesn't want guns in the neighborhood. Uh, ironically, as he was trying to buy a gun uh, <laughs> earlier in the film, but. Is that a nod to Miles? You damn sure bet it is. And, you know, will we get him later? Hopefully. Uh, I don't think it would hurt anyone to have Miles represented here in the MCU in some capacity. Um, we get uh, a nod to uh, Matt Gargan, the Scorpion, uh, is one mm. of the associates that's on the ferry. Eventually we see him on the uh, on the bumper as well when uh, Michael when uh, Adrian Toomes is in the is in jail. He bumps into him again. You see, he has a he has a scorpion tattoo on his neck, and he references that he knows a few guys on the outside. This isn't on you. This is on Spider Man. Yeah, the moment want to get back at Spidey. So we'll see how that plays out. Uh, but that's cool. Um, what else do we get? Uh, we get oh, here we go. So we get the most controversial, I guess, Uh-oh. part of the film in there was, at the end. It was too short. There wasn't more of it. <laughs> So, there's a character in the film, played by Zendaya. Um, her name's Michelle. She's kind of like this offbeat. Um, she's like the weirdo character from Breakfast Club. Yeah, um, Ali Sheedy, if Ali she Sheedy. was actually personable. Right, right. Um, What's up, Ali Sheedy? She's really, <laughs> wow. She's really uh, witty and, and funny and sarcastic and, you know keeps trying to play it cool like she always happens to be around peter but she's like i'm not stalking peter but is she though like where's she, the she knows a lot where's the lie though you know like yeah she might be into peter a little bit which is cool but we've we come to find out at the end of the film toward the end of the film that yeah her name is michelle but she prefers that her friends call her mj all right so here's where the uh, the comic book fans and internet nerds lost their shit. <laughs> okay, she's not Mary Jane. Her name is Michelle, right? So maybe her middle name or her last name starts with a J. She wants to go by MJ. Cool for her. She's not Mary Jane. But people are freaking out because is she Mary Jane, even though she's, you know, she is clearly not. But what those initials could mean, you know, like, how how can you take Mary Jane, who's supposed to be this beautiful character, this beautiful person that everyone wants to be with and has like this really great, outgoing, sociable personality, and make it this this girl Michelle who's almost the antithesis of those things. And so much so that the director of the film, the writer of the film, even KFX, had to come out in multiple <laughs> interviews and say, Here's the deal, guys, Michelle's a brand new character. She's not Mary Jane, but we intentionally gave her the initials MJ because she's important to the story. And we all know that you know who MJ is, Mary Jane. Like, we all know who she is to Peter in terms of, like, the importance. We wanted to denote that kind of importance onto this new character. 
Yeah, which, shorthand. Which I think is a fantastic way to do it. Because we've seen Mary Jane in the Raimi films. We saw Gwen Stacy in the Mark Webb films. And as much as I love both of those characters, and don't even get me started like on the whole Spider-Gwen thing, but like, as much as I love those characters, this is a new iteration, and they're definitely trying to do new things. They're bringing yeah. in Ned Leeds, who's a character in the comic. They're bringing in Liz Allen, who's a character in the comic. You see Betty Branch for a second. By the way, we didn't talk... The little, like, like little oh, uh, yeah. student journalism segments. There, there's only a couple yeah. of them, but, oh, man. Student news is always so cringeworthy, and as, it managed to capture it so well in this movie. <laughs> as a former high school, like, newspaper person, oh, man, that stuff was gold. Um, <laughs> but you see Betty Brandt there. Like, that's yeah, yeah. a character from the comic. Um, you know, or like, you know, people got so mad with Flash being, you know, not a jock, white jock dude. Okay, but, like, that's not really... I mean, those kind of bullies do still exist. But these kind of, like, flashy, wealthy, pompous bullies, these almost, like, cyber bullies, like these very sarcastic, jokey bullies, that's way more prevalent nowadays. Yeah, he's he's stunting on dad's money. He's a a bully from privilege, not from, like, brute strength. Right. I just feel like... And I know you and I talked about this off air. The film had a lot of choices to make. Mm-hmm. They had the, they they had a lot of different ways they could have gone left or right multiple 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 times. And I really honestly feel for the most part they chose right every time because yeah. everything works. Now, you might not agree uh like personally, you might feel that this isn't authentic enough to the traditional Spider-Man story. And, and it's cool to be wrong. That's it's <laughs> a valid option but, in today's world. But I think if you are really honestly concerned with the mythos of Spider-Man, with the essence and themes behind what Spider-Man is about, then you would have to be happy with this film. Mm-hmm. Because it's, it gets so much of that right. A bodega features prominently in the first act. <laughs> I, I was so impressed with how New York this, move, this, this movie was. It had the Ramones in it. Uh, it... It actually felt like it, it looked like it was actually taking place in New York. I mean, the Raimi ones were okay, but they felt kind of soundstagey at moments. Right. They they were like sterilized in a lot of ways. Um, and, and and the thing about the Mark Webb Spider-Man films is that, and they weren't wrong to do this, but they made it so much about Peter and Gwen mm-hmm. that almost nobody else existed in that universe. Yeah. Which is fine, and that's a way to tell this story, sure. Um, but this is something totally different. And I think this version has more to offer more people than the other two versions. And, and, and I think we should all be thankful for that. But again, people are going to have different opinions that that's fine. Um, what else? So we're definitely going to see some more Zendaya. Uh, Liz ends up moving to Portland. Yeah. We, yeah. not, we may not see her again. We don't know. <laughs> a criminal's family needs to lay low. We get a wonderful uh, tag teaser bumper for featuring Captain America, which <laughs> if you somehow missed it and haven't seen it, it's the very, very end of the credits. It is amazing. It is really well done. Um, you know, the question is, where do we, where do we, oh, uh, one other, sorry, one other little Easter egg is that yeah. there is a, an Asian girl uh, that's on the act deck team, and her name is Cindy, 
I don't believe they ever mention her last name. In the comic, there is a character named Silk, who is Cindy Moon. Oh, snap! Also Asian-American. Um, so that's, that's very, very well could be uh, Cindy Moon, could be Silk. They could just have Cindy Moon there. Maybe she never actually turns into Silk. But, mm-hmm. you know, it sort of lays the foundation for a possibility, and that's really the best thing you could do here. Um where would you like to see, before we get into kind of some trivia tidbits, uh-huh. where would you like to see the sequel go? The The next Spider-Man film is going to come off of the heels of the fourth Avengers film. It's the Ooh. next MCU film after Avengers. Yeah, and uh, Fags has said that it kind of starts the next phase of what MCU might be. Um, I think he's mentioned that in an interview. Like, that, like Infinity War Part 2 is going to end like, you know, the Iron Man kind of part of the MCU. And... Spider-Man Homecoming 2, or whatever it's going to be called, is going to kind of start the next part. Um, I I honestly don't know. I I think right now the speed they're going is really, really appropriate. Um, focus more on, like, maybe you can be a senior now in high school, but still in high school, and have that be a part of this uh, kind of next movie. I don't want, like, a bunch of characters in it, so trying to do too much too quickly, <clears throat> Spider-Man 3. Um, not maybe the... Not, not the big six, but... Um, yeah, it would like be Sinister Six, right? Yeah, 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 a Sinister Six, yeah. Um, no, no, the Big Six, like the like a NCAA conference. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> the diaper dandies, baby. <laughs> I, I don't know. I, I actually like to see uh, Venom be the antagonist, but I'm pretty sure it's not going to happen. Because um, if you know they didn't really get a chance to do it to justice in in Spider-Man three, in Raimi three, uh, they could probably do it pretty well now, but. Kind of pie in the sky. Um, that's probably not going to happen. I don't know. I, I, I all I can say is I still really like to see the high school setting come into effect, come into play. I like it. I, I I'll take it one step further. I yeah. think if you wanted to introduce Norman Osborn or uh, ah. Norman and Harry, what you could do is maybe sort of how in this movie they introduced Adrian first, Adrian Toomes, the villain first. Mm-hmm. Maybe you start the next movie with with Harry the movie sort of starts with Harry and he gets kicked out of like a like a preparatory school yeah and so he has to transfer and he ends up going to this school and guess what he and Midtown Peter, Tech yeah they they hit it off and Ned gets jealous and that's oh. the B line right that's the B story yeah, yeah, yeah and you kind of play that up like we get all we get all the goblins at once you know, yeah, right. But like, <laughs> you you play up that real thing that happens with friends when a new yeah. friend comes in, and there's like yeah. that jealousy, and there's that kind of sliding back and forth as to where are your allegiances, and um, you know, um, maybe you go that route. You know, at least on the school side of things. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it'll be really interesting to see. I, of course, am all for Spidey being at the forefront of the MCU. Um, Iron Man has definitely had his time to shine. Nothing against Iron Man, Robert Downey Jr., or Tony Stark, his character. It's been ten years though, and that's a long time to to bear the brunt of an entire universe franchise. It's a hell of a run, yeah. And yeah, no, no, he nailed it. So like, but the you know he's getting older. Dude's gonna have to retire at some point from this. Contracts then, are getting too expensive. Yeah, and he's the most expensive actor they have for sure. So I know Tom Holland's locked in 
for quite a while, and I don't think his salary to scale is, is nearly uh, the same. <laughs> they got him on a three-year rookie contract. <laughs> yeah. Oh, boy. Back here we go again. New collective bargaining agreement. All right, we're going to hit some real quick tidbits before we, yeah. we, we kick out of here for this week. Uh, Kenneth Choi, uh, who plays Principal Morita, uh, the principal in Spider-Man Homecoming, mm-hmm. um, plays Principal Morita, also played Howling Commando Jim Morita mm-hmm. in Captain America the First Avenger. And if you look in very briefly in one of the scenes in the principal's office, there's a framed old like photo of an old photo of Howling Commando Jim Morita, sort of nodding that maybe the principal is like his grandson. Yeah. So there's the so connection. Evans List. I mean. Yes and no, because he's like, I don't think Principal Morita is like a superhero, so I don't think you could <gasps> count it. Undervaluing our educators. Uh, oh. <laughs> <laughs> low, low, low. Uh, we'll see, though. Maybe he ends up being someone. You don't know. I mean, we don't know. Also, Donald Glover's character uh, is a nod to a character in the Spider-Man uh, comic by the name of Prowler. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you, there's a one real quick line where they talk about like Some he doesn't want any gear. Yeah, he doesn't want any fancy guns, but they they go, we've got this climbing gear, and he's like, what climbing uh-huh. gear? Like he gets excited. Prowler uh, climbs on stuff. So, um, <laughs> other other trivia. He can climb anything. <laughs> oh no! Oh no! Prowler versus Slipknot. Battle of the ages. Battle to the. I'd say battle to the death, but we already know how that turns out. Yeah. Uh, Vincent D'Onofrio, who was of course Kingpin in the in the Daredevil series had shown interest in, in, in appearing in Spider-Man Homecoming as Phil Wilson Fisk. Oh. So that would have been really interesting, and that's definitely something maybe they could do for the sequel. Maybe maybe you don't go no Ren Osborne, but maybe you bring in Wilson Fisk. Uh, he should have been walking along the line in the prison at the end of the, oh. the bumper. Oh, no. Just like in the background? Like, you don't yeah. even... Ooh. Yeah, yeah, or just Ooh. get out of my way or something that's like that. Too good of, that's too good him. of a move, man. Dude, <laughs> I mean, you want this movie to bankrupt everyone? Like, no, everyone. Like, D'Onofrio facing off against uh, Keaton. Oh. oh, he should have. Keaton should have been walking, and then D'Onofrio's like blocking his way. Oh my god! They stare, stare down for a second. It's wordless. That's that's amazing. <laughs> I want to live in that universe. Why'd you do that? <laughs> Damn it! The movie was great. Now it's like I'm not so sure. Was it really that great? <laughs> Uh, all right. So much missed potential. <laughs> also, in the role of Tony Stark, Iron Man, they originally had planned for Nick Fury, as of course played by Samuel L. Jackson, to play the mentor role um, for Peter. And that actually mimics um, not only the Ultimate Spider-Man comic book, but also the Ultimate Spider-Man uh, television show from the last few years, uh, where they have that dynamic there. And, and so actually, I could have really seen that uh, working out I'm not saying that it didn't work out the way they did it. And, of course, Sony financing the film were able to get Tony Stark, or I'm sorry, Robert Downey Jr. as Tony Stark and Iron Man. That's going to drive up your, you know, your, uh, your, your, what's it called, Q rating or whatever, like the ability for people to know that you exist. Uh, <laughs> if you throw Robert Downey Jr. out there, you're going to get a lot of eyeballs. Uh, I can mm-hmm. kind of see why they went with that over Samuel L. Jackson, but Ooh, I would not what a have... What to Sam Jackson. Well, no, I wouldn't have hated... The idea of Sam Jack doing Nick Fury as Peter's mentor, I think that could have opened up a lot of interesting things. Also, a Sam Jack, uh, 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 uh Marissa Tomei scene. Hmm. Could have been good. 
could have yeah. been. Yeah. Well, I mean, in the MCU, I guess it'd be kind of a little bit harder to pull that off, right? Isn't Fury still in hiding? Yeah, I don't know. We, where is he, right? Is he? Yeah, he's in hiding somewhere. Or yeah. he's out doing something. something. Avengers 2, he was like, last time yeah. we saw him. Yeah, he like, got rid of the eye patch and yeah. just put sunglasses on. It's like he's in CSI or something. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so that's, that's all we have for MCU CSI. Um, at the end of the day, see this film. Yeah. It's, it's great. Uh, I haven't seen it in IMAX yet. I hear it's fantastic. You can even, there's a 2D option for the IMAX. So if you don't like the glasses, you can still see it. Uh, bravo. I mean, just, yeah. It's great that a movie can be fun. <laughs> so that's kind of why I paraphrase Reggie Philames from Nintendo. Like he starts off the easy presentation with the game is fun. <laughs> that's all you need to know. Why? Why need? Why do you need to know anything else? Fuck graphics. Fuck gameplay. It, 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 no, no, no. Fuck gameplay. The game's fun. This movie was fun. This movie is amazing. It, it's a good movie and it's fun, which is sometimes those don't happen. Last thing before we close out is the other new kind of segment that we're going to do with these review episodes is. Do the MVC, the most valuable character. Mm. Okay. And for me, the MVC is without a doubt Tom Holland as Peter Parker and Spider Man. They really, really picked the perfect person mm. to do this role justice. And I'll just leave it at that. It, it, they, I don't see how they could have done better. Yeah. Who's your MVC? Huh. Well, uh, I think I have to go with my boy Adrian Toomes, uh, Michael Keaton. My God. Uh, it's so hard to write a comic book villain. Just look at Ronan the Accuser. Uh, <laughs> where they don't seem one note, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, where, that car scene. where his motivations are believable, mm-hmm. um, his reasons for becoming, for falling to a life of villainy, you know, you can understand it. It's plausible. It feels like it's part of this world. That's pretty hard to get across. And, uh, for a Stone Cold killer like Keaton to do it, man, it was great. It was nice to see. That man that is cl- magic. He yeah. is, he's <laughs> some, he's good, man. You know, I, I know he was kind of blacklisted, apparently, from Hollywood for a while. Man, that we missed out. Cause that it shows, dude... shows you the level of stupidity of the students. Oh, def, definitely. Uh, that car scene, by the way, oh, just stands up there with, like, Scorsese. So tense. With Michael Mann, like, Heat, anything with, yeah. like... And I, that sounds like hyperbole. I stand behind that. Like, it's, it's not right yeah. up there with like the Pacino, De Niro scenes, and he, it's, it's really good. It's really uncomfortable. Yeah. Uh, shout just, out to Victor Tombs. I think that's a villain, a, a character a- in Adrian the X Files. Why did you want to name him Victor? Oh, Vic- oh, Victor so you Tombs want to say the X Files? Yeah, that's why you, you yeah, yeah, yeah. nerd. Okay, well now we know. <laughs> now we know why. There's a, there's a lot rattling around up in here, man. You know what though? Real quick, you like the X Files? Go see Big Sick, everybody. It's really great. Uh, it's a heartwarming, touching comedy. Uh, there's some X Files references. I'll just leave it at that. Oh wow! <laughs> uh, if you can't see Spider Man, if it's sold out, what? And. <laughs> If you're living in a one cinema town that's only showing on one screen, (laughs) try not to go on Friday night. And traffic is bad, and you don't want to drive anywhere else, but Big Sick is is playing. Go go see it. (laughs) I'm just saying. Okay. Yeah. 
Uh, but no, seriously, Spider-Man Homecoming, you really brought it home. Kudos to you, Marvel, Sony, for not getting in the way. Let's keep that up, please. Until next time, the Fortress of Potitude is closed.